You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. <laughs> you you zaddied them up without us? Yeah, I zaddied him and Brett. And they both just kind of, or Dane kind of just went into a daze and disappeared. He beckoned Zach, I knew he was going to zaddy the two of them up when we weren't there. I knew it. Well, what do you do? We had three players and three coordinators. They earned it on the day. Hurtful. Stop, Zach. We're in a good spot. Then told me to give him ASMR. Yeah, not be fucking annoying. It's a kid show. All right, let's roll. Sorry, I'm writing down a name here. Uh, give me, give me, like, I wanted five transfer players to talk about. Welcome to on the bench. Oh, you want to lead it? You know what? Three, two, one. You got it, Zach. Welcome to On The Bench, guys. We don't need the whole weird Brendan intro. Let's just get straight into it. Brendan, we got craziness about to hit us. Um, Contact period is open for the uh, NCAA now. Coaches are on the road. Brendan, how are you feeling? Chris, how are you feeling? I feel great, Zach, and I'm very happy to hear your voice this morning. What just happened? I took over. That's what happened. (laughs) It's a hostile takeover. Let's break into the all-ACC... awards that happened this past week or Chris can you break those down for us please yeah FSU had the second most of any team in the league behind Clemson Seminoles were led with three on the first team Dylan Gibbons at offensive guard Jamie Robinson at safety and uh (laughs) what's wrong with you Brendan you okay buddy (laughs) he's just he's rolling with I'm, I'm proud of him I'm amazed that this is happening I'm relieved that I'm not having to do it today this is amazing Traverse okay. is the other one. Fresh start Yes, Jared Verse was the other one. In fact, he led defensive players with the most votes. That didn't mean he turned into the all-ACC defensive player of the year. That went to Cansey at Pitt, who certainly deserved it. Not knocking that idea. Cansey how do you get good. how do you get the most votes of any player for the first Because team? so how the voting works is you have X amount of people voting, and each vote for first place is three, second place or second team is two, third team is one. So Verse was on more first teams, I presume, than Cansey was. But voting-wise, it was 163 for Verse, 160 for Cansey. Cansey was excellent. There, there were a handful of guys you could have picked for defensive player in the league. In my opinion, the top two were Verse and Cansey. So I was fine with either of them winning it. I voted for Verse for ACC defensive player of the year. But I truthfully, I went back and forth on those two. Uh, some of the other stuff was Dylan Gibbons won the Tatum Award. That's for a senior athlete in the league. It's for both on and off field stuff. We all know what Dylan has done in both of those regards. Well deserved honor. Jordan McFadden, offensive tackle, won the Jacobs Blocking Trophy. Historically, I feel like that trophy goes to the offensive tackle who's best on the best team in the league instead of necessarily the best offensive tackle in the league. Matt Bergeron at Syracuse is a guy who I would throw out there as a possibility as the best offensive tackle in the league, personally. Um, 
Mike Elko won coach of the year. Mike Norvell finished second in that voting. I voted for Mike Elko. I was, again, kind of similar to defensive player of the year. I was cool with people deciding on either of those two guys. What Elko did at Duke was pretty special. He very much flipped that thing very quickly in year one. The schedule wasn't particularly tough, but it's Duke. They were god-awful last year. They were very competitive this year throughout. What Norvell did at FSU is a turnaround, did a phenomenal job. Year three, a year with a great deal of pressure on him. And, you know, they came through. They won 75% of regular season games. They went undefeated in non-conference play. Their losses were all to quality opponents, including one of which was on the road at NC State. So, you know, I have no bones with people voting for either of those guys. Uh, offensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year, one and the same, Drake May at Carolina. Statistically, it's tough to argue against that. I was happy to see Jordan Travis was second team all ACC. Um, I thought that was very deserved. And, you know, I thought a lot of people would vote Hartman because of stats again. Jordan Travis is the second best quarterback in this league. And it can be argued he might be the best. Defensive rookie of the year, Pat Payton. Not a whole lot of options in the league, but Pat deserved it. Very high in tackles flaws, high in sacks, impactful player. When he was called upon, especially when Burst was banged up, he stepped up and played at a really, really high level. And then, again, not a great year in the league as far as a defensive rookie emerging to compete with Peyton being the contender there. Um, trying to think what else. I, I think that's about all the awards. I, I don't think I forgot any. Uh, big thing, FSU, of their 15 guys that made it, whether first, second, third team, or honorable mention, 10 of those 15, I think it's 10, right, Uh yeah. Brendan, it's 10, yeah, our 10 transfers. transfers? Correct. So that's going to kind of move us into the next part of this discussion. Oh my goodness. This is Fresh Start University, Brendan. Tell <laughs> us about it. Fresh Start University is the new moniker that I'm bestowing on Florida State. Uh, not, not free scouting university, not free shoes university, Fresh Start University. And I think that's a sales pitch that Florida State, probably not that name. They probably shouldn't. Don't do that, guys, if you're listening. Uh, but I think they should absolutely be selling prospective transfer portal targets on what has happened in Tallahassee the last couple of years. I mean, so the last, so since Mike Nerville got here, we well documented this rebuild. And this is a complete and total teardown to rebuild the culture and the, I said at the beginning of the year, like rebuild is priced and we're not going to use a ton anymore because now built it's, it's being built up vertically at this point, the climb has, has started, but to, to get there, saw a lot of guys leaving the roster and a lot of transfer portal players coming in to kind of help fill in the gaps a little bit. Now the first cycle, it was eight scholarship transfer players. Fabian Lovett was in that group. Uh, who else? There was one other player that was a multi-year oh jerry and jones was in that group but that wasn't like a super robust like multi-year class other than jay sean corbin Devonte love taylor uh some some misses there and then the following cycle we saw 10 transfer players added obviously jermaine johnson highlights that group and what they did with him is, is probably the uh the hallmark the billboard that you were going to put up there right of of what fsu has done in the transfer portal ACC Defensive Player of the Year in just one season, first-round draft pick, a guy who went from being a, a good rotational player at Georgia to a, a superstar of sorts at Florida State. But you also had Kier Thomas, who was big culturally, Jamie Robinson, Dylan Gibbons, first-team players this year, as Chris mentioned. Uh, and so that was really, I think, eye-opening experience for Florida State is, oh, you can get multiple-year contributors or just really profound one-year guys in the transfer portal. That doesn't mean they all worked out. DJ Williams was only here for a year, didn't work out. Andrew Parchment here for a year, I guess, you know, fourth and 16, you, you always will have. 
Is it fourth, fourth and sixteen? Fourteen. Fourteen. Oh, oh, Lord, buddy. Oh, Lord. Get, it's Keep an iconic out. moment. Keep you gotta get that right. You know it as the number. I You're allowed to screw up a lot on this podcast, but that is not one of the fourth things you can screw sixteen. Up. What are? You, that's the title of the podcast, by the way. Good job. You know what? I just wanted to give him a couple extra yards and say that you know Jay Trap could have completed on fourth and sixteen, would have still been a first down. Fourth and twenty, still would have been first down. I save. Fourth and twenty-one, first down. Uh, Mackenzie Milton, I just I don't think I can keep going at this point. I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, you're able to get a bunch back on track. You're able to to more or less hit on guys last year, and and then this past cycle again. I think that really opened up the eyes that you could you can totally lean into the transfer portal process. We saw FSU take twelve guys. If we go down the list, like how many did they hit on? Um, Jazz yep. has been a major contributor. Meech has been a starting guard. Trey Benson's their best running back. Tatum Bethune flipped the linebacker room. Deuce Span is a multi-year guy that they hope to get more from down the road. Greedy Vance has become a top two splitting starting duties nickel for them. Johnny Wilson helped flip the wide receiver room. Caden Lyles disappointingly got injured, didn't do much, but has been a good presence and a good guy. I think, again, speaks to they do a pretty good job evaluating guys that will fit into the team culture. Bless Harris was going to be a starter, got banged up but did contribute to that one. Uh, Micah Pittman's in that one. Helped in both the return game, making a much better punt returning team than they've been in a long, long time, and also a very good contributor at wide receiver. And then Winston Wright got got hurt. So the only guys right. who, who didn't contribute in a meaningful way to a, a very good team this year were guys who were injured. Bless Harris got hurt early in the year. Feaster, what, too. Feaster's in that group, too. Feaster is, is in the, and that's a little bit of a different situation, I guess. Uh, someone who I, I think, shut down after four games to retain eligibility and we'll see what happens there. It was kind of just, you had a scholarship to use at the end and, and you used it on them. Um, but Can by we, and large, wait. it's yeah. I want to give some shout out to Justin Turnitin, man. Okay. Did you Let's imagine if they didn't use that, uh, if they didn't take him like where the O-line unit would be this, this year, like obviously they had Darius and him kind of swapping out at right tackle, but Justin was huge for them the entire season. Yeah, and a good point on Jazz is that they made him kind of earn that spot. They didn't just quickly jump at the first mention of him. He had to come here. He had to put in a little work with them before they green-lighted it. And I think that was mutually beneficial. I think, obviously, for FSU, it showed that the kid was interested in doing what needed to be done to be an assistance here, a guy who could contribute as a 2 deep player. And in Jazz's case, I think Jazz understood, like, yeah, they, they preach work, but they're also about that life. And – he came in and did it. He fired off a tweet after the Florida game that I thought spoke kind of high volumes of that relationship, that back and forth, the yin and the yang of that. And I, I think that's a good thing. I think, again, that speaks to why FSU is having success with the portal because it's not just, hey, we need to go get a player, a body, a guy that fits this. They're finding guys that they believe do help them and fit roles, but also fit the culture and what they're trying to do here in the whole uh, – you know, it's not for everybody. Mike Norvell is abundantly clear with that when he speaks on recruiting, whether it's high school or portal kids. It's not for everybody. Not everybody is for FSU. And I think that has been something that they've done a very good job of kind of uh, investigating properly in the process. Justin Turnitin's PFF grade this year, 62.7. I mean, that's a replacement level starting tackle in the Power Five. Like that, you, you got your your money's worth, so to speak out of him this year and he got better as the year went on too he had a tough stretch early on but the final one two three four five games he played uh, some meaningful role and he was 67 or better grades i mean he's someone who might might he'll be on nfl radar maybe not to be drafted but probably to to make a roster now uh out of 
you know, like a, like a camp roster type of deal. For sure. Transfer portal, baby. We ready? <laughs> Zach forgot for a second he's hosting. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. We'll edit it. No. It's fun. Transfer portal. Um, it's Sinone's it's favorite time of year. Some people get advent calendars. Sinone gets a transfer. Portal. Wonderful time of the year. It's like the it's like the draft, but and free agency rolled into one kind of for college football. I just saw two four sevens doing an all day show on on the on you know, December fifth when things open up for the FBS. That should be pretty fun. Did they announce we, it? To yeah, them? they did. Are we going to okay. meet up and and camp out for all the the names that draft? Uh, uh, we can do that. I'm going to, I think, make an appearance on that show at one point or another for FSU oh. coverage whenever they need. And I'll be helping, like, on the back end, produce, like, numbers and guys who enter the portal. So I'll, I'll be around to do stuff is, all day. Is it going oh. to be the single most insane day in the history of the portal? Because I think it's going to be. I mean, yes, because. <laughs> it's already, it's already building it, to be with guys it, sharing their intentions. I it's, wonder. How it's already much, crazy. Yeah. I wonder how much surprised there will be just because a lot have already declared their intentions i think it will be still pretty crazy and i don't think it's just going to be on the fifth i think a lot of guys will enter the next you know week after that as they kind of exit their exit meetings at their schools and stuff um and then i think there'll be another run following uh you know bowl season at the beginning of january um they open up like four days for guys to visit from january 4th through the 8th so I think there'll be kind of two runs within the next month or so. There's 30, it's a 30 day window. So December 5th through, I think, what is it? January. Um, is it 15th, 18th, something? Yeah, We're not like 13th, 18th, something like that. Yeah. Um, so no, it, it, it's going to be crazy. Um, I'm excited. Brennan, how do we kind of preview this in the FSU lens? So let's, let's, Okay, first off, FSU will be an attractive destination for the reasons that we mentioned earlier. Let's get that out of the way. Two, we believe FSU will be active in the portal. Mike Norvell spoke on this yesterday. Chris, you were there. I thought Mike was really insightful. Do you want to just give like a quick rundown? He mentioned the word championship. Yeah, he did. And and that caught my attention in the moment because, you know, Norvell doesn't get ahead of himself very often. That's the first time I really remember him saying that. And I, I had a moment of like, you know, he was pissed off after NC State. That moment has stuck with me all year of how that, that game really stuck to him. It, it irritated him that they truly let a game get away that they should have won. There's moments like that throughout the time of a coach that you remember yesterday with national championship reference, talking about FSU having three and building towards one again, uh, I thought was an interesting moment just because he hasn't let himself go there previously. From a portal perspective, what he talked about is that, you know, and it, it was fair. The line of questioning was sort of when you guys got here to some degree, you had to have bodies to fill a roster. So there was a mix of trying to get guys that were going to help the love it to the world versus just getting some guys that were going to be, well, if we have to play them, we got them type of things. Now they're at a point where I think it's fair to say the way they view it is they can be far more selective and far more picky. And this is about adding a handful of dudes, you know, six to 10 roughly is a number I will put out there that, will help them take that next step. Whether it's a veteran D tackle who goes into a young D tackle group that they like, but he is a dude. Like he is a guy that can play 40 snaps a game and give you high level pressure for 40 snaps a game and be a really, really good player that leads that room well, allows other guys to climb the ladder and get to the spot they need to get to. Because they love a guy like Daniel Lyons. Anytime you ask them about Daniel Lyons, they're going to praise him. And they like now that they have high schoolers catching up who are contributing. Pat Payton's a phenomenal example of, development of a high schooler within this program 
but they want portal guys that can also be there to help them be good. FSU is not about having a good first team or a second team. They're about having 85 dudes now. That's the point they're getting to with their roster build. It used to be we need 22 that can get us there. They kind of work towards that. And then it was 44, so we have a two deep. Now it's the next step from 44, which is throughout the roster, they want to have guys that can be dudes for them and can help them in a lot of ways. I don't expect a whole lot of this portal to be we're just taking guys to make sure we have emergency depth. I think this portal hunt is going to be about we're getting guys that can help us take a next step and be extremely good and be a guy that can potentially be at the top of the room, despite the rooms being better as a whole. So with that six to 10 number that you threw out, Chris, if, if you gentlemen will uh, will join me here and playing the game, if, if we're cool uh, with it, will you entertain me here? Let's go with six positions. I'm trying to think of the right way to kind of narrow it down. Let, let's all nominate and, and narrow it down to ourselves here of, as a collective group, like what we think the six positions FSU will need to prioritize the most uh, in the transfer portal this cycle. I, I will start off. I will nominate defensive tackle as maybe the the biggest priority for FSU. Yeah, unless they pull a feather out of cap like a Jordan Hall type out of the high school ranks, yes, you need to go get an elite D tackle who can help that room. Uh, they've got good players in there. I mentioned Daniel Lyons, Malcolm Ray. There's several others. Josh Farmer's a guy coming along. But I think it would benefit them to have somebody that they can kind of pin at the top there alongside Lovett because you are losing Lovett and Cooper. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, you know, two guys who have started and played a lot of snaps. I just think it's beneficial. So, yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Zach, do you want to chime in on D-Tackle or you want us to continue this? I, I think continue. I think I agree with your point. They're losing right. two. They need they need a replace. I'll nominate O-line, and I think it's a possibility of multiple. I don't think it's necessarily one. I think you could see him go again again and get a center if Lyles decides not to come back. That's a to-be-determined thing. Could definitely get just an interior guy guard because you're losing Dylan Gibbons, potentially losing Meech as well. And then, you know, also potentially add a tackle just because, hey, you can never have enough tackles in this world, and there's only so many of them. So I think that's a position where you could see them go as far as getting maybe two, maybe even three if it's the right guys out of portal. Uh, I'm with you, Chris. I think two offensive linemen, let's say one interior, one swing guy. If you can get a tackle, you get him. If not, a guy who can be Devontae Love-Taylor type, right, that can do guard or tackle. So, so I'm cool with, with two. Uh, Zach, so we got three so far. Defensive tackle, interior offensive lineman, swing offensive lineman. Uh, your turn for a fourth. Tight end. Woo! I'm proud of you, Zach. That's where my head immediately went. How many are we looking at? Your head, right, your head went Just right one. to the tight end. Um, I and... think. <laughs> oh my god! Um, kid show. Kid show. You, you uh, got me, Brandon. I can't help it. I'm gonna have a sophomore chuckle now. <laughs> yeah, I made love, him laugh. People made love a laugh. good Chris Knee laugh, though. Um, no, I think tight end is is a position where FSU is actively trying to um, upgrade. I think they have a lot of numbers there in that room. I don't know how many of those guys um, you can trust to actually contribute contribute for you down the line. Got some quality snaps out of guys like, you know, um, Preston Daniel, Marcus and Douglas, and um, Ken McDonald, obviously, this past year. But you need a dude in that room. And I don't think currently you have a, a, a certified dude. Um, they're in on one guy right now that, I, that we know of, Kyle Morlock at a Shorner University. He was at the UF game for an unofficial visit. He's locked in for an official for the December 9th weekend, um, which I believe is the day after FBS recruits can go. And that doesn't affect him because he's an FCS recruit, but FBS recruits can start visiting schools on December 8th, I believe. So um, 
just a side note there. But but I think tight end is a big, uh, or I wouldn't say big position of need, but a position that FSUD is going to attack in the portal and try to add, um, you know, one quality guy in in, in that room for next year. To, All right, to so elaborate Brandon, on, a, so real quick to elaborate on it. First off, shout out to Cam McDonald because he ended up finishing the year on a really high note. He had more than yeah. 300 receiving yards. His PFF grade 66.6, which is solid. Um, yeah, he after that Clemson game, he kind of bottomed out and he turned it around after that. And and I just shout out to him because we've been critical of him at times on the show, and he finished off his FSU career on, on a on a high note. Uh, yeah. To Zach's point about a tight end, yeah, I think. Uh, it has to be a instant starter type, right? Like you're not just adding a body just to add another tight end. I think you go with a guy who, like them, Kyle Morlock, who who elevates the upside of your room, a potential NFL caliber draft pick is what you'd be looking for there. So, Brendan, I, I know what wavelength I'm on for next position, but I want you to go. Well, if it's your wavelength, I'm going to say, well, I was thinking of cornerback, but knowing you, Chris Nee, I think you want to take a cornerback and make him a, a safety. <laughs> safety. So, yeah, it, for me, it is safety. You got Shaheen Brown. You love him. He's a jack of all trades. He can do a whole bunch of different things for you. But you're losing Pack. You're losing Jamie Robinson. Those are two guys that can play a lot of snaps for you. Jamie's obviously been a phenomenal all-conference player here who might be an All-American on some lists as well, and deservedly so. So you got Shaheem stepping in there. Akeem is a to-be-determined for us for what's next for him. He's been pretty banged up, I think, since the Clemson game. That hasn't particularly helped his cause. He hasn't had a great back half of the season. So, uh, you know, not trying to knock him, just saying there is a reason why he has struggled. He was wearing a bulky knee brace before, I think it was Louisiana, might have been UF, one of the two games, and it was noticeable in pregame, and he didn't play at all on defense because of that. So, Safety is a spot where I think, yes, if you can find a guy with what they put a lot on their safeties. I mean, Adam Fuller was talking about Jamie Robinson yesterday, talking about how you're going to play nickel, you're going to play man, we're going to put you in the box as a linebacker, you're going to play the run game. You're going to have to wear a whole lot of different hats. While Shaheem is awesome and great, I think from a depth perspective, it's a necessity for them to go get. And corner is not far off. And truthfully, hey, if you can find a guy that can do both, that's a beautiful thing too. I think – for the sixth one, and I totally, I, I think safety was the next one I was actually going to go with. I think for the sixth one, I think corner might, let's, this might be the most controversial. We have to, to workshop this one. I, I'm going to nominate cornerback for the last one. I think if you can get someone who you elevate as a, as a surefire starter opposite Renardo Green, or just someone who can legitimately push Jerry and Jones and uh, Duke Cooper, that would be huge. But I, I'm open for the sixth one to be, changed a little bit if you guys have have a position that you think is more important maybe defensive end no i agree with corner uh i mean dn is always a beautiful thing if you can go get a guy like they have the last two years but they've got guys in that room coming along Derek mcclendon's coming back dmac had a good year i think he'll continue to build on that pat payton's a guy that clearly is ready to take the next step i think byron turner albeit hopefully getting healthy for the first time really in his career. I think it's a guy that can help you in a way that Pat Payton did this year. So I don't feel as desperate or as needing at that position, but that is one where like you can get guys that can be all conference contenders, guys that can be Jermaine Johnson's, Keir Thomas's, Jared Verse. You've had a nice run of history there, but the development of that room's also been good. They got a decent amount of young bodies in there, high school development kids that you know, I, I don't feel like it's as pressing or concerning of a need. The secondary to me is a place where FSU, especially in the first half of the year, hid some problems very well. I think Bernardo Green had a really good back half of the season personally. 
Um, Duke Cooper had a sophomore slump. It is what it is. Hopefully he gets out of it, comes back next year to confidence is back, and he's a player we saw in the back half of last season. You know, if you got that, you got those two and A.C. Thomas, I'm feeling pretty good about your top three at corner. And then Nickel, you got Kevin Knowles, who needs to take a step forward from what he was this past season. He was better last year than he was this year, in my opinion. Greedy Vance is a guy who we know what he is. He's a substance guy. He gives you great effort. Like, I love what he brings to the field. I just don't think he's an every-down kind of guy. So adding another body or two in that room who can be an effective multi-tool player is probably effective use of a spot. Yeah, I think uh, I think DN should be a, a priority. Um, I you know I, I like what you have coming back with DMac and then Pat Payton, like you guys mentioned, but you don't have a surefire you know star there, um, in my opinion. Unless Pat Payton has some crazy offseason, you know, he had a really good year this year, but it would take a huge step for him to be like an an you know all ACC defensive player of the year. He was the rookie of the year. Um, so don't, don't, I'm not trying to knock on him at all. I think his development's been awesome to watch, but I think adding a guy like the quality of Jared verse, the, what they've done basically the past two off seasons would be super helpful for this team. Um, as you try to increase the competition in that room and also just, you know, the, the, the ceiling of your team goes up if you, if you're having a guy that can, can consistently get to the pass, uh, to the quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a position I, I would put at a premium this off season. Well, you got outvoted two to one, so your opinion really didn't matter on that. Okay. Well, I think corner is important too. Why not both? You know what? Let's make it a top seven list. Problem solved. Yeah. I don't know why we're limiting ourselves. We're not expecting a quarterback at this point because, well, we think Jordan Travis is coming back. We're not expecting a running back at this point because that room is loaded and very good, and we're expecting Trey Benson to come back. These are good problems to have. Plus, if we scare off Rodney Hill, I'm going to be royally pissed because I absolutely (laughs) love Rodney Hill. Um, Imagine so, all the time we spent hyping him up if we never get to see Rodney Hill play yeah. like a meaningful snap. He's play this week, guys. I like Rodney Hill a heck of a lot. I think we all do. Rodney's a big dude who can move. Like, yeah, what that room's become, what they do with that room. Yeah, I like some Rodney Hill. Wide receiver is an interesting one. Well, you know, they went with the complete renovation and makeover last year in that position. I don't think they're going to lose a whole lot there. They do lose Pokey Wilson. Uh, dude who can turn on the burners and go. Yeah. I think they'd take a look. I think that's the type to take a flyer on. A guy who's like a just completely different than anything else they have in that room from a speed department. Um, Jimmy Horn, I, USF guy, is one that comes to mind that's already shared his intentions. That's a good that's a good nomination. Uh, if they do go wide receiver in the portal, I do think they would need probably someone currently like on the roster to to leave. Winston Wright announced that he's coming back, and I think. FSU is banking on him returning back to his pre-injury form with with a more than a year to recover from the injury by by next season. So I think you probably I'm just going down the list. Johnny Wilson, we expect to come back. Micah, Micah Pittman, Pittman, we expect to come back. Now Micah Pittman is a graduate. Uh, I think after this, like uh, after the spring semester, so he's someone if he wanted to explore the transfer market again, he could. I don't know why he would, just based on the role that he found at Florida State. But it, I'm not counting that as a hundred percent sure thing, but. It, Look, let's count them. This day and age, we shouldn't really count much of anything. That's kind of my point. I mean, this is all. This is going to be, I think, a fun few uh, few weeks here. Malik McLean, Jakai Douglas, Darian Williamson, Darian Williamson. If he's healthy, my lord, what what could be? Do span Chris mentioned earlier, kind of still gadgety guy that you're you're working into the mix. Kentron Quatier finished off. You mentioned Jakai, right? Yep. So that's eight. Am I missing someone? Darian. 
We mentioned him. We mentioned Darren. And then Winston Wright is nine. And given the way they use their running backs as wide receivers and uh, two tight end sets a lot, like, I guess you could add one more. I just don't know if that's like. You're also bringing in three freshmen. Oh, yeah, that's right. You got Ikeem Williams coming in, all day Dre, uh, and then. Um, Goldie. Goldie Go to Goldie Lawrence. That's right. That's right. From Seminole. Um, so, yeah, wide receiver depth should be ample. What a difference 12 months makes. God. Wow. What a season, guys. It, it, you know, it's funny. I, I think when the portal was became really a thing two years ago, I was very like, eh, I think they'll tap into it, but I don't think long-term it's what they become or what most programs become. I, said, I think Mike I've completely much, flipped Chris. my idea on that. I think a lot of programs are going to lean on the portal a lot. And it stinks for high school kids. It's killing high school recruiting. But uh, it is what it is. Like, if you can go get a dude who understands the rigors of the college football game, who's already played at a high level in this game or is capable of playing at a high level in this game and has shown that, yeah, you go get that. It's a little more of a sure thing, a little bit more ready-made. Yeah, and, take you don't it. Have to, and and there's got to be a ton of dudes. I mean, You don't have to wait out of physical development. I think that's no, what you're saying. No, or, or mental development. There's yeah. a whole uh, there's a whole lot of you hit the portal. You're you're hitting the portal because you're a dude who you know. There's probably three reasons. You're not really meant to be at the program you're at. You're just not good enough for it, or it doesn't fit you, or whatever. Or you went there for a certain coach. That coach left, and what they do now is different than what you went there for. Then there's the we want you out of the program, kids. And then there's the other ones who are like, I'm looking for that next place where I'm going to get the job done. You know, and it's all business. There's you're no way too good for your current program. Like right. That's where a lot of the FCS kids Shorter. Are. Shorter is a perfect example of that. Shorter has no business. Or I'm sorry. I'm calling him Shorter. Kyle Morlock, who's Shorter, has no reason to be at Shorter. He's 6'7". Yeah, and he can truck down the field, and he's a good receiving guy. He apparently was more receiver in high school than tight end. But there's a decent amount of that. It's upgrade season. I mean, Verse was that, too, last year, and everybody knew that. He hit Supportal, FSU, Tennessee, and several others are – hot and heavy with him immediately because he was just much better than what a guy at Albany probably should be. And I feel bad because it hurts those FCS schools and it hurts those schools where they used to have guys that they developed and then they went pro and it was like, how the hell did that guy go to that school? That's kind of going away, sadly. But <laughs> it is what it is. It's beneficial to D1 programs, especially ones that have logos that hold weight. And if you're winning 9, 10, 11 games now, which FSU is now in that territory, yeah, here we are. It's time to reap those rewards. I remember talking to an FCS coach this offseason. I may have mentioned this before on the pod, but it's worth repeating for right now. He he was saying, like, why am I going to go after a developmental freshman where if I do my job as a coach, develop him, he's going to leave me in two years? And he, yeah. as rightfully like he should. He's like, so I'm going to go after portal players from the Power 5 level who've been developed by Power 5 team. Uh, but maybe aren't cutting it because they're not quite up to that level or leaving for whatever reasons Chris mentioned earlier. So it's kind of this interesting, it's like these FCS schools have become, are becoming filter feeders. And even like they're filtering guys up to G5, G5 schools are filtering up to P5. And then there's like the top of the top of the P5 are going like Alabama's going to take a, uh, who's the running back from Georgia Tech? Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs. Jameer, yeah, Jameer or Gibbs. their left tackle who they took from what, Vandy Steen? Yeah, so, so you're, so it's this, this tier system has always been part of college football right like stop, let's not pretend that it hasn't been it's just i think nil combined with transfer portal has made it all just super the business of college football is out there in the open now and there's not this like pretense of like amateurism or academics or it's like now you can go transfer places there's not penalties the apr doesn't hasn't been enforced the last couple of years with transfers like it's it, all right wild wild west and 
Uh, it's created the has and has nots have become very, very clear, but it all just kind of feeds into itself in this interesting cycle where ultimately guys at the P5 level go back to the FCS. <laughs> in some cases, there, there's players who go from, uh, there's one kid who just entered the portal from Louisville, I'm blanking on the name, but he went to Southern Miss initially, transferred down to Jacksonville State, or sorry, Jackson State, I think, became an FCS All-American there, transferred up to Louisville uh, when they needed a bunch of DBs this past season, didn't play a ton, re-entered the transfer portal. I don't know where he's going to end up now if he goes back to the FCS, but like it's just... just he is collecting himself some college gear. That's person buying that closet. All right, Byers and we ready? Brought oh, to you by the Turner Group. Oh, okay. Guess we're not going to talk about the prospects to look at. Oh, okay. We'll talk about the prospects to look at. Thanks, Zach. I'll go over it real quick, and then we'll do Byers and sponsored by the Turner, the Turner Group, Group baby. <laughs> All right, let's go five transfer prospects real quick. We've been writing about it a lot in those 24-7. You could check out all the names I'm throwing out there every day, trying to put as much context as possible. Again, we expect FSU to be aggressive in the transfer portal. Uh, but also uh, selective and keep things close to the vest as well. So let's see. First off, I will throw out the name Kyle Morlock. We've already talked about. I had him on my list. I think he is someone that fans should absolutely familiarize themselves with. He will be visiting when, Zachary? December 9th. December Which will 9th. be his second visit to FSU because he was also here for the Florida game. But he has become kind of the maybe one of one of if not you yeah, know probably one one of the top like five most coveted offensive players in the transfer portal early this cycle. Again, it's very early on, but like teams have gone after him. He's picked up offers from Tennessee, from Auburn, a bunch of teams regionally. He's probably got two dozen offers so far. And I think the belief is what the Tennessee is probably going to be the team that FSU is most heavily competing with at this time. I think Tennessee and LSU are two to keep an eye on. Tennessee is relatively close to where he played high school ball. There's also some ties there with the coaching staff, and they were losing two of their better tight ends from what I understand. And then LSU because of Brian Kelly's history with that position at his prior stop. I believe, yeah, I believe there's a connect. I think the shorter coach is now on staff at Tennessee, so I think yeah. there's a connection there. Okay, so so it's not going to be an easy battle by any means for FSU, but I think one that's worth investing your time in, especially since it's so early in the cycle and you'll hopefully get an answer or at least get a good feel for it in the next week or so uh, to, to know where you stand in that recruitment. Like, okay, that that's a guy to go after because he totally gives you NFL upside at that position. Uh, he's long, he's athletic, willing to block. Like there's, there's a ton to go on there. And and he seems like his best football is still ahead of him. Another tight end who's in my throughout there. Uh, Zach stumbled on him the other day when he entered the transfer portal and someone who certainly looks the part that's CJ Dippery, Dippery, D-I-P-P-R-E. Do you want to try to pronounce it? No, I don't think it's diaper. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's definitely not diaper. Uh, now you guys know how I feel. <laughs> Manny Diaz. Uh, so this kid is from Maryland. I'm just calling him a kid, but he is uh, a grown man. I mean, he is hulking. He had 350 receiving yards this past year. Very good red zone threat. Good blocker. Decent metrics the last two years. He was like the number two tight end the previous year because Maryland had an NFL caliber tight end on the roster. So He's a guy that I think FSU should be kicking the tires on. Uh, if, if things don't work out with Morlock, like, yes, invest your time in Morlock. But this is another kid who's proven at the P5 level already and would be an instant starter type. Uh, on the offensive line, a guy that they have not publicly offered, to my knowledge. I don't know if they privately have either, but, like, it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't be going after this kid because everyone is going Road after him. Island. <laughs> Chris is in such a good mood. Uh, Johnny Cordelius from 
What was it, Chris? How do you pronounce it? Rhode Island. How can you put a southern accent on a northeast family? Um, Yeah, he's awesome. So it's funny. I asked somebody yesterday, like, you know, is there interest in him? And they're like, yeah, but I think everybody's interested in him. That kind of sums up his recruitment right now. Everybody is legitimately interested. He He's a guy that can walk into a high-level D1 program and start, probably. He's badass. Uh, and he's one you liked before he hit the portal, right? When it was just a tamper portal for you? When when Dane, Zach, and I were all just putting down names of guys like that we want to familiarize ourselves with and just make sure we know who they are. Yeah, we, we got together one evening, had a few drinks, and, and he was one of the names. And just like, this is how my process works. Like, we'll go down, just like look at PFF and just see guys who are consistently grading out well. And then you okay, click on the profile, height, weight, good. All right, cool. Uh, and then let's let's turn on a try to find a game. It's not always easy to find a Rhode Island game, but or an FCS game on YouTube. But in this case, they played against Pittsburgh, and in like two minutes, like you could tell, like oh, yep, that's that's a dude. He was yeah, he's a, doing good against Pitt DNs. Yep, you know Charlie's usually got those boys to play up there. Pitt, yeah, you, yeah. you feel pretty good about it. So yeah, he's he's going to be he might be the most coveted prospect in the country right now. Uh, he's a, a true tackle with size, with athleticism, from Harlem, New York. So not really, it's like basketball territory, uh, New York City. You don't see a whole lot of, of football players coming from New York City, but this guy is kind of almost has like a basketball-like frame to him where he's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, moves really well, nimble feet, and he's just, but he's like 320 pounds, huge. Um, so impressive. A guy who I absolutely love, Braden Fisk from Western Michigan, defensive lineman, a former roommate of... Wyatt Rector. Why, why? Yeah, so Wyatt Rector was started his career at Western Michigan. I mentioned something about Braden Fisk on Twitter the other day, and, and Wyatt Rector responded on Twitter. I was like, that was my old roommate. And uh, and Braden Fisk is really good. He's he's a multi, th- three or four-year starter at Western Michigan, someone who came in as kind of an undersized offensive lineman and has grown into a prototypically sized defensive lineman. This kind of goes back to what Chris was talking about earlier with guys developing uh, and, and kind of moving on up as as they develop. He is someone who, who's played very well when Western Michigan has played uh, Power 5 teams. Watch him against Michigan State this year, and he, he made a pretty profound impact on the game. He played defensive end a good chunk of the time in their three-man front, but I think he has the size at 6'5", I think he's like 295, to play inside in a 4-3 or 4-2-5, uh, four-man front. Uh, but super energetic, moves really well, big, strong, good metrics, I guess. Like that's... That's what it looks like. I, I anticipate FSU having some interest there. Uh, at least they should. And then finally, oh God, what's the Colorado offensive lineman's name? Help me, help me, Zach. That's a guy I like. Casey well. Roddick. That's it. Casey Roddick from Colorado. He's a team captain, um, multi-year starter there. Good metrics. Can play tackle. Probably a guard, right, Chris? Everyone's a guard in, in your book, but um, I'm leaving he, it alone. I'm not watching the film. He's he's very solid. I like him. There's actually a lot of good interior offensive linemen that have entered the portal already. FCS level, group of five, power five. So you have some options there. Uh, but he's someone I like that I think kind of fits the mold personality-wise of, of what Mike Norvell Atkins would like. So those are five names I just want to throw out there for now that, that I've enjoyed real, watching scouting. Real quick on portal and FSU. The only public offer we know of at this point is Morlock. That is not to say FSU is not active in the portal. I think FSU is trying to take a a little bit more behind the scenes kind of approach with being selective and pursuing really high level guys out of portal. And they're cool if the kid doesn't want to tweet an offer. They're not going to rush to have a kid tweet an offer. 
I'll yeah. put it this way. I I believe they're involved with Fisk. I believe they're involved with the Rhode Island kid. And obviously, we know they're involved with Morlock. So three out of five we just talked about for sure. It's just not going to be super public. The thing to watch is who does FSU get on campus from the portal? Josh Braun, who we'll talk about later in this podcast. He is one that they've already had on campus. They're going to get back on campus here soon. You know, we're, we know they're getting Morlock on campus here in a week or so. So those are the things to watch with portal recruiting. FSU is not going to flood the market with public displays of affection for portal kids, but they're going to be wholeheartedly involved with really good portal kids. A nice five-second delay of silence is good hosting, Zach. Keep it up. Virusinome, baby. Let's go. So Brought to you by the Turner Group. Woo! The Turner Group. Colin, sorry it took so long to get to this point. The Turner Group, don't – wait, what, what What do I do? Oh, don't Sinone on buying or selling a home in Central Florida or anywhere in the state of Florida. If you're living in this sunshine state and you're potentially going to be in the housing market and you're stressed out about it, don't know where to start, hit up Colin Turner of the Turner Group. Colin and Amy are part of a four-person operation, but they they spearhead it with the Turner Group. It's a realty company that closes on a ton of deals. I think a hundred this past year, right around there. They work extremely hard and Colin and Amy are both FSU grads. Colin loves the Seminoles. Uh, he's been super excited about this season. He's been our good luck charm. So support Colin, support Amy, support, support the Turner group. They support us. They give us really cool swag that Zach keeps all for himself as well. Uh, you know, If you want your own swag, hit up Colin, 407-403. 8546 or just Google the Turner Group. I'm never giving it to you now. I know. All right. Let's get to these. The lightning round. Can't wait for this first question. By Orsonone, TB Golf 714. Zach and Dane will have better careers at 247 than Sinone and Nuber. Oh, no one wants to answer it. Uh, I mean, I'm. I think Chris has to because he's the only one who's not technically like involved in this question. So no pressure. I, I love all of you. I'm not slandering nobody. Um, Zach's really, really good at his job. And Dane's kind of freaky to me that he's like a football savant. He also will shut down in the middle of a restaurant, which I learned yesterday, which was pretty interesting. Um, we call it vector eating. Dane just goes somewhere. That's not. Brendan's already trying to flirt with another woman here with the portal and leave us. That. So. <laughs> So, ah, sure, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. There you go. Whoa. Nah, I love all four of those guys. I think what we were learning is that Knowles 24-7 is just a, a powerhouse filter feeder of just if you want to come here and, and set up a shop, you'll do great. If you want to spread your wings and move elsewhere too, you'll do great. Uh, just when you have high quality people around you and you work really hard, good things are going to happen. So We're like uh, FSU in the transfer portal. I got two feet in the paint. I'm not going anywhere. Fresh start, fresh start podcast, FSP. Okay. Uh, Clay Cloud, 1996, Byer Sinone. The name of this segment should be changed to knee it or yeet it. What's yeet it? I'm Sinoning that. I enjoy the fact that it's Byer Sinone because I feel like it was naturally created. Byer Sinone sounds so natural now. It's crazy. Like buyer sell sounds weird. It is weird when people ask questions on the message board, and it's not even for a buyer's known prompt. It's just it's become habitual. Um, it's just great that my name's synonymous with selling on something. That's good. Very good. 10, 10 15 That's years good. ago, when I used to write like a hot take column after games, I called it taking a knee. I thought, that oh, that's a good wow. one. You should bring that back. Nah. Yeah. 
people love talking about taking D's now. Okay, BPS04D. You can only buy two of your three backs to return next year. Who do you buy and who do you send out? It's a good question. I like uh, that. Two of the three. So we're talking Benson, Ward, Tofilly, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm going Benson and Ward. No, no, I don't want to. I'm not saying anything bad about D. I'm just taking those two. Well, Benson's the clear number one. I mean, he's almost got a thousand yards this season. He does something that no one else really can. Emulate. I remember somebody calling him the best back on this team early in the year, and you know, getting a little flack for that. Who who gave you flack? The message boarders. Uh, those people. Oh, you know what we need people. to do? We need to bring back the box checkers versus the landing stickers and see who won that one. Yeah, we'll get well. You had Jordan Travis on your team, so congrats. But you had Tate Rodemaker, and we'll always have Louisville second half. We will always have Louisville. Yes, we will. What could have been? Uh, (laughs) But so Trey Benson, I think I said he would get 1,000 yards this season. Probably going to. Pat myself on the back, too. But Trey Benson, surefire, yes. I think you could have a conversation between LT and and Treshawn Ward, which what a great conversation to have. Like, one's very gadgety and do a lot of different things. Treshawn Ward is one of the leaders in yards per carry, again, in the ACC and a very quick, right in the wildcat formation. But I will say, I'm, I will agree with you, Chris, uh, because, so I'll go with Treshawn Ward, because I think Rodney Hill can emulate some of what Lawrence Toffoli does. So if you lost LT, which I don't know if you want to, uh, but Rodney Hill, I think, kind of be that slot wide receiver, running back. You move him around, you let him be a playmaker, and, uh, and I don't think there would be a drastic drop-off. I'm in no way trying to throw LT into the portal. Neither am I. I, I like him here. But, like, when I think about the portal, LT is a perfect example of a guy I think about because we know he can be super productive. If you gave LT the predominant amount of carries or even the top two carries on a team, he's going to produce. He's also a very good receiver with very good speed downfield. He catches it well. Fumbles are a little bit of an issue for him, but I think that's something he can self-correct. That's the kind of dude that could easily go somewhere else, take a step down maybe even a little bit, or just go to somewhere where he's going to be more of a featured guy and be really, really good. I don't want him to. I want him to stay in Garden and Gold. I think he's an excellent player here, and I think he's fully committed to this program. But, like, you know, in the portal conversation, that's we always think about the guys that just aren't contributing, that you just you want to shed from the roster, you know, process, as we used to call it in the Alabama world. Toe Philly's kind of the opposite side of that, a guy who is productive and is a good contributor, but it wouldn't be far-fetched to think, like, maybe it makes sense for him. But, I, again, I don't want him to go in the portal. Understood. Zach, should we talk about how we got screwed out of stake this year? Should we? We got robbed. Yeah, we got robbed. We had a yeah. bet preseason. It wasn't even a bet because Chris just got emotional and promised us something. <laughs> if, if Josh Burrell had, I think it was 37 offensive snaps. Yeah, it was the day 36. Okay, so it was the day late in camp. Storyline storylines start getting a little blah, and it's dog days of, of summer, and it's like that final. It's not quite game week yet, and all the freshness of camp has worn out already. And Josh Burrell moved to running back, and he looked damn good that first day yeah, too. He had a crazy good day. He, <laughs> it was like extraordinary. Like he went off. Uh, and so that was obviously everyone wanted to talk about that and write about it. And Chris, he won't call not everyone. Himself, he <laughs> he won't call himself a contrarian, which is exactly what a contrarian would say. I'm not a contrarian. Uh, but he was like, all right, I was spending all this time on it, and everyone wants to write about it. He was just being very curmudgeon and Chrissy uh that day. Extra Chrissy. Chrissy. Chrissy, because it sounds like pissy. You can be pissy sometimes. I love you. I can. Um yeah, yeah, you're you're very emotional. Um anywho, he 
so we made a bet with all of us standing there with me initially, but then Dane and Zach and I were all around Chris and it was Chris would buy his all stake dinner. If Josh Burrow had 37 offensive snaps this season. So what happens first game of the year, Duquesne, Josh Burrow gets in at wide receiver and just lines up out wide and gets like 16 snaps right there. So we're yeah. like almost halfway. Oh, we there. got it in the back. Yeah. We're, we're in great shape already. Uh, and then, Unfortunately, this is actually a serious note. Josh Burrell gets hurt, and we saw yesterday he needed um, he a needed a, surgery. a procedure. So it's two yeah. seasons in a row that have ended with injuries for him, and, and it sucks because like Josh Burrell does have value and a really nice guy. And, and yeah, great guy. Someone, yeah, someone who works hard and has has a role on this team if he's healthy. Uh, but so, anyways, Josh Burrell got hurt about a week before the stretch of like FSU just blowing everyone out and uh, being able to empty the bench. So, yeah, Josh Burrell never got to play in any of these lopsided affairs in the final month of the season, and we didn't get stake. Good story. I hope he rehabs. I hope he comes back, and I hope he does find his actual role on this team next year and is able to do that while being healthy the whole time. He's like an edge back. He could do a variety of things. He, he can be a you know short yardage thick body receiver he could be a running back could be a fullback he could be a three in the uh, tight end hybrid type type reminds me of jaheem bell at south carolina yeah i don't think he's as fleet of foot yeah i don't think he's as athletic but he that like they kind of are built the same way could you make him like like a goal line weapon like a like a like a wildcat type of thing or like but dj lonnie's such a good job blocking i don't know we've learned that the staff here doesn't try to waste what they have available to him on a roster so i think they do try to figure it out for him all right byerson on coach nike morvell with the announcement from the rose bowl earlier this week all but clearing the way for 12 team playoff in 2024 fsu returns to the college football player in its first year with 12 teams bye now what are they right for? It's not next year. It's oh, year. No. You got to predict two years in advance. I mean, they're almost, they're what, 13th right now, Chris? Yeah. 14th? Or no, 13th. Yeah. They're 13th. It'd be a very interesting week around here if we were. Wow. <laughs> that would be a lot format. of fun. Can, you, can we change it to this year just for the page views and sessions? For We'll do like watch parties of different games. Please, yeah. Oh. You know, I'm going to buy it. I, I think the big thing for me going into this season was whether there could be enough proof of concept to get you over the hump as a recruiting staff. That was a, a I love what Mike Norvell does during the week of practice. I really like what they do game planning and in game. My biggest question is whether you could get enough talent in here quickly enough to develop it and get you a place where you're competing at the level that Florida needs you to compete at. I didn't know after guys, I didn't know after like the early signing period if that was something that was going to happen, if we were going to be able to see that, that, talent infusion lead you uh, to where you had to, but you had talked about already on this podcast, you hit on almost everyone in the transfer portal at such a profound rate. And then you maximize your skill set and your talent that you already had to where uh, I now I've, I've, I'm convinced that Mike Norvell will get it done at Florida state to at least get to another contract and be a guy that the school commits to long-term. There's a lot to like about the direction of the program, a lot to like about him. And now you have that selling point. So yeah, I think 2024, uh, you being a top 12 team nationally is super reasonable based on where you're projected and where you're headed. So yeah, right now I will uh, be ambitious, but let's say bye. I'll go with bye because I think adding a Brock Glenn to the quarterback room and having options at that position life after Jordan Travis is a positive 
for that room to continue. I think his program, Mike Norvell's programs in general, have continued to progress time over time. He's kind of shown that now at two stops. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with bye. I, there's still things I need to do to get better. You know, I got to be more consistent as a defense, not allow teams to score sometimes as they have at moments. Um, and they got to continue to acquire talent. But I, I think that January to June coming up here is going to be the most exciting recruiting time we've had in the time covering Mike Norvell in this program. And I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, if they go out next year and have the success, I think they're capable of next year. Yeah. They're going to keep adding talent. They're going to, they got this thing rolling a little bit and I'm going to believe that they're going to keep it rolling. All right. Moving on. Noel Biz, Byers Sinone, sponsored by the Turner group. Florida state will improve again on defense for the fourth straight year in 2023. I'll buy because I think they will figure out what they need to acquire to continue to take those steps forward. I don't think it's going to be a very drastic one. And that's more so because of the fact that they did improve so drastically this year that from a number standpoint, which I know my cohort over here, Brendan Sinone loves the numbers. Mm-hmm. There's only so much space for them to move up before they truly get into that realm of the solely very few elite programs in the country. And I'm not convinced they are ready to take that step to being, an elite defense. I'm going to Sonone it basically for the same reasons why Chris bought it. I just don't think there's a ton of room to keep getting back up. I think you're probably in a top 15 ish range. Uh, I don't want to throw around the word elite as Chris did because we don't are supposed to talk about elite defenses here. I think you stay in top 15, top 20 range with what you lose with Fabian Lovett, Jamie Robinson, maybe Jared verse TBD. We'll see. Um, I say you stay in that range. One, yeah, one thing I wanted to address real quick, though, was I'll get into my numbers uh, if you guys indulge me. And that's this narrative that FSU's defense did poorly against good offenses. And I think, yes, you could probably if you want to like start parsing out stats against the better offenses, you didn't perform as well as a defense. But I think that's a little is it disingenuous or disingenuous? What's the right phrase? Sure. Word. OK, you're dissing something of. Uh, FSU, so this is against winning teams. This is just a, a basic split stat here. FSU points allowed per game versus winning teams. The defense ranks 17th nationally uh, versus non-winning teams ranked 29th nationally. So you actually did better comparatively. Like that number, like you allowed more points against winning teams than losing teams, but everyone does. Like going against good offenses and good teams, it's harder. Uh, but you did like significantly better comparatively against winning teams than you did against losing FBS teams. And the and same thing goes for yards per play as well. You were better comparatively against winning teams than, than losing teams. So I, I just, there is some level of like, this was a good year for the defense. It was not an elite year. It was good. There was progress. I think some of the hand wringing over the defensive staff is a tad overblown. Not to say you can't find upgrades or you can't get better in areas, but this level of panic and attention that's put to it, I think is unwarranted. And it's also worth mentioning with the future of the defense that maybe they don't do something they did well this year as well next year, but say they create more takeaways, more turnovers. That's an area where, you know, you want your defense to be that. And they were FSU is better in the back half of this year than the front half in that regard. So, you know, you hope that continues to trend up. All right. Savvy's Noel, Byer Simone. Sonone leaves Knowles 24-7 to become a national 24-7 guy, a.k.a. douche. (laughs) (laughs) Sonone, I'll let you answer this one. 
Are you synoting it or are you addressing me? I'm letting you answer it. I am not addressing it yet. I may not address it. Synode, unless unless they want to buy me with a really good paycheck to do national stuff. I'm happy here if uh, I just I want to explore options with the transfer portal. And I think it's really cool to cover. And we were in need uh, as a company of having more manpower there. I love it. Obviously, well documented. I think it's helpful for our FSU coverage to be more informed on it. And yeah, I mean, if listen, if they want to pay me like a national pundit, then, that, you know, I'm I'm here to listen. But right now, that's not what's happening. So, Are you so, in the 24-7 transfer portal? Buy or Sunno? I haven't dropped an edit yet. Okay. Speaking of edits, we'll talk about Sam McCall in a little bit. Crumpled a piece of paper soon come. <laughs> Just Danny Cronin recycled. 7. Oh, my God. Danny Cronin 7, buy or Sinone. Two or more of the receivers in our current room transfer out. Sinone. I definitely don't think the or more part fits. Could I see one, maybe two? Yeah, especially if they go and add another one and win a shark. I mean, they'd be at what thirteen or so if they add the three high schoolers and a portal kid. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, a, healthy, a healthy a room's around twelve or so. So yeah, it is what it is. Those things figure themselves out. I think. Uh, I think if it's going to happen, it's more likely to happen in the spring transfer portal window than now. Because I think, what if Hakeem Williams comes in mid-year and is asserted himself as a starting receiver in the spring then i think you see some of those guys that have been in the program for a year or two um prior to him arriving maybe consider entering the portal in that 15-day window which is april 15th to april 30th um after spring ball i think that's when you could see it and i don't think it's i don't think you're going to get to two or two or more but maybe one or two i could see what, yeah, what if like, Hakeem is so good in the spring that Johnny Wilson's looking around? I was like, shoot, oh, I, may no. not, I may not be able to to get sixty three catches again this year. To use Sonone's boy, Darian Williamson's a good example of that. Darian's oh. very talented. We all think that, but because of injuries, he's kind of been put behind the eight ball. You know, you hit the spring and it's not your time. You know. Trishon Ward's at running back. What are you talking about? He's not a wide receiver. It's starting to get, you know, to the point where you're on the latter part of your college career, so you kind of might have to make a business decision. I didn't go over my head. I just skipped it. So no, I just kept on going, kept could chugging you, along. Buddy. Could you imagine Derry Williamson saying, you know what? Yeah, I need to make up for lost time. I'm going to go do the air raid at Mid-Tennessee Mid State with Stockle. Do they play Miami again next year? I mean, 500 yards receiving soon come, if so. That'd be insane. He'll have all 500 yards against Miami. And, and it'll do them no, all like on somehow mathematically like in three plays too because Miami loves giving up chunk plays. Oh yeah, especially that game. My lord, Memphis Noel nineteen ninety two. Byers known Dane could beat Zach in a fight. So I don't think so. I'm synoning that. I I've been physical with both of them before. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> HR, please turn the podcast off now. Thank you. What does that mean? We've played football. When Dane brings the football oh. during the summer, we throw it around. I've had to post up against both of you. Zach is bigger than Dane. Zach's built more like a tight end. Dane's more like a like a safety build. But Dane is solid muscle. Like you try to push Dane, and he doesn't move off a spot at all. I think Dane's got some some like wiry, skinny man strength that would shock Zach. And Dane just seems like such a a nice relaxed, easygoing guy. But if you get him in his Vecna state and he doesn't know what he's doing, he might he might mess you up. So is that a buy? Dane's winning? Yeah, yeah. buy. 
Yeah. I don't believe it, but maybe we'll have to test that out soon. The Rogue Knoll, Bayer Sinone, FSU will have a top five rated transfer class this offseason. I don't know if the numbers will get high enough for them to end up top five. Um, what, what about a top – what if we change it to this way, a top five average recruit? Yes, I would take that. Okay. Yes, I would I mean, buy that I, I said it earlier. I think they're they're this isn't a – just taking guys to take it, guys. This is about adding really, really quality dudes. And I think FSU, for reasons mentioned earlier, is a super attractive destination to portal prospects. So I think we phrase it to, like, quality of recruit. I think it'll be top five. Yeah. Bye. What about I'll you, Zach? It. I'll yeah. buy it. Um, I don't like. I don't know how the rankings work and, like, how much quantity matters. But I think as far as, like, how much those guys are going to impact this team and, and you know, probably rankings too. I think you have the quality of a top five transfer class this offseason. I may be part of the ranking process, but I think I do have to. Can you bias uh, it towards us? No, I think the exact opposite. I, I will uh, re- recuse, recluse, reclusive. I'll recuse, recuse myself. Recuse, recuse. I will recuse myself. Next question. Syracuse. Um, there's no next question. We're going to commercial break. Um, on the flip side, we'll be talking about some big uglies. We'll break down the Sam McCall situation. And we'll talk about you know, whether we think uh, FSU might have some transfer portal departures after the break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Coming back, um, let's talk about some big uglies. We got uh, two guys to talk about here that recently set up official visits to Florida State. One's in the transfer portal, one's out of the high school ranks. Both are really intriguing prospects. Chris, let's start with your guy. You broke the news, I believe, yesterday that he set up an official for the ninth. Yeah, Josh Braun, Florida transfer, hopped in the portal in October. He's a graduate transfer graduating this month. He came to FSU in mid-November for a practice, checked it out, got a chance to meet this staff. He had never met this staff before during his prior recruiting process. He's a young man from Live, Live Oak, Suwannee, Florida area, went to Suwannee High School, also spent time in his childhood growing up in Tallahassee. Um, so he knows this area, he knows the ties, all of that stuff. The interesting things with Josh Braun, he's married, and he's because he's graduating, he's very – intensely looking at potential majors, whether getting an MBA or continuing more in classical studies, which is along the lines of what he's getting his undergrad stuff in. Um, So FSU intends to host him on December 9th for an official visit, according to Josh Braun. He is at Arkansas this weekend. I think that is one worth keeping a great deal of attention upon. 
He nearly played for Sam Pittman out of high school when Sam Pittman was the O-line coach at Georgia. Has a great relationship there. Thinks very highly of Sam. But again, for Josh in this process, it's going to be not solely a football decision. It's a place where it makes sense for him and his wife that she wants to be at and that for him academically also fits. You know, if those things all come true, whether it's Arkansas, FSU, there's others involved in this, such as UCF, Oklahoma State, some others I mentioned in the article yesterday. I think Penn State's another one, for example. It'll be very interesting. I do think his decision comes sooner rather than later. I don't think he's a guy that stretches it out too far, but he definitely wants to make the right decision. He wants to find the right place. I will add, having known the Braun family for a good amount of time and now covered multiple of the kids going to college, strength and conditioning programs matter a great deal to them. So that's another area where it's kind of one of those hidden things on a visit that we don't talk about a lot. But, you know, I think it matters a great deal to Josh Braun and his father, who's got a great deal of experience as an O-line coach himself. But this is Josh's decision along with his wife. So that's what to know on that one. Gotcha. Oh, sorry, I just came back. Newberg? Are we talking about Josh Newberg? He's not Josh very good. Um, oh. right, moving over to DJ Chester. He's another guy that I broke yesterday at Knowles247.com. That's set up an official visit to Florida State for December 9th. Um, he's a guy that's uh, been a, been a longtime target for FSU and, and offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Alex Atkins. And getting him on camp, back on campus is huge. Technically, this is his last official visit. He's used four already to Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, and Michigan. He could, however, take another visit to, to Auburn because they have a new head coach in place, Hugh Freeze. Um, that's something that I checked with uh, our Auburn guys on the, the 247 site, and they said that's certainly a possibility. That staff is still making you know initial phone calls to recruits, so that's something that could get set up here soon, but we'll check on that. As of right now, this is DJ Chester's last OV. Um, it's a pretty big, big deal. FSU was in that one right up in, until he committed to LSU in the beginning of November, um, and Alex Atkins has a really great relationship with, with Chester. Uh, I expect him to to sign in the early signing period. He was originally going to announce at the All-American game uh, there uh, in the beginning of January that it's an all-star game that that he's playing in the high school ranks. Um, but he he made his decision early. You know, I could see make, FSU making things difficult for him down the stretch as, to far, as far as, you know, coming down to that final decision. Um, I think FSU has not let up even after he committed to LSU. I think that relationship with Atkins has only – um, strengthened over the past month or so. Um, and I think getting him getting him locked in for that final OV is, is a big deal. Um, I think Auburn's also a threat to try and flip him from LSU. They were they were they got him on campus for a game visit um, you know while they were still going through the coaching change with Cadillac Williams at the helm. Now that Hugh Freeze is there, you know, I'd expect him to go full court press on Chester down the stretch as well. So it'll be an interesting one to watch, but I thought that was huge news. Um, Chester let me know that he set up that visit on Thursday evening. Um, so that was, that was a big deal. To reiterate what Zach said about Chester, I had an LSU person reach out to me today to ask my thoughts on FSU hosting. And I said, you know, it's kind of been a long promise visit. I think the relationship is good. I'm sure FSU wants to make LSU uncomfortable and see if they can swing a big stick. That person responded to me, I think Auburn is a legit threat. So just Zach mentioned that, but just to reinforce that a little bit further, that that's coming from a couple of different avenues. Awesome. Um, let's move over to the Sam McCall situation that developed over the past week. I'll bring Brendan in for this one as he was crumbling up some some notes earlier. Um, 
But yeah, Sam McFall, as we all know, entered said he was going to enter the portal after the Miami game. Quickly took that down and said he was making an emotional decision. Um, you know, the, the season ends after the UF game. And McCall once again posts the same crumbled up note on social media that announces his intention to enter the portal. Um, there was a little bit of, of, of you know, stuff going on before that, that note dropped again. So, Brendan, I'll let you break kind of what went down there. I had to have Chris go back and look. See, he's smartly being a veteran of this game. Save the initial, the initial edit from Sam McCall. We had to make sure that the first tweets can be deleted, but screenshots never die. It was on Instagram. The first that too. We had to make sure that the first note was not on crumpled up paper. It was on crumpled up paper, but it would have been really great if the first time. It was just normal, clean piece of paper. And then the second one, it was crumpled. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. That would have been really, really good. Uh, so Sam McCall is someone who came to Florida State. That Honestly, like, I think the die was kind of cast with the whole Travis Hunter not signing with Florida State deal. Not to bring up old stuff, but I do think that was a part of McCall, Yeah, McCall was one of the first guys to send in his LOI. He was right? the first one. And, yeah. then, and then he got kind of <laughs> – he got a uh, – Screwed over there, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, by Travis Hunter not siding with Florida State. And, and Travis Hunter was a big reason, not the only reason, but a big reason why Sam McCall committed to Florida State and remained committed throughout the process. So one thing I had gathered, and I put this on the message board after the the first edit drop happened that Zach was referencing, and that's it, Sam, from my understanding, and, and I don't know Sam very well. I've enjoyed interviewing him a couple times. That's about it, though. Uh, he looks around a lot to see what other people are doing and gauges how he's being perceived by others or what he isn't about Sam. It's about what's happening around Sam. I think a lot of times. And so anyways, I think that created when he first got here, I think we were almost not surprised, but we were monitoring, Hey, will he enroll at FSU in the spring? And he did. And he was impressive at times. And then he was apparently very impressive in preseason camp. And we saw some good moments there, but there's apparently a couple of days like where he was great on special teams and to keep him engaged, to give him a chance. It made him the starting kickoff returner, which was not a role that Sam McCall was particularly good at this season. Uh, and meanwhile, like at cornerback or at safety, they moved him to safety for a few weeks. He never really stuck there either. Uh, I always viewed it as Sam seemed to have a hard time retaining what to do at those positions. Honestly, had a hard time retaining sometimes lessons learned at kickoff returner uh, through the course of practice. So there's just some things that weren't happening that needed to happen to feel confident putting a very talented player on the field. And ultimately, I think once he he put, oh, FedEx is coming. Uh, once he put his name, we'll put the edit out initially, I think that was a pretty good indication of, of what was to come. Uh, I think his parents really wanted him to finish out his season at Florida State and at least kind of get the coaching, get the the training for this last month of the season and just see what happens. And I think ultimately we saw what happened, and that's that Sam McCall wasn't a big part of the plans this year. Sam wanted to play more. When we were at the Louisiana game, we saw pictures that people put up on the on the side of him on the sideline kind of by by himself and and just sometimes it's not working out. That's the best way I can I can phrase it. Would you rather have Sam McCall for another season to kind of see what you can do with that, that raw talent. Yes. Uh, is this a huge blow to Florida state? I'm not saying this because he's gone now, fellas. Like I just, I don't know if Sam McCall was someone that you were going to be able to 
trust in building, uh, making him a building block on your defense for next year. So it, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. I the only thing – go ahead, Zach. I would just say there's a lot of maturing to do there. Um, I think uh, – sorry, Chris. Uh, I think – That was it was totally on Chris. Zach started talking in a second later. Chris goes, yeah. <laughs> I think the biggest thing with Sam is that – like we saw with Azaria Thomas, AZ was consistently – challenging for playtime at corner i never once thought that sam mccall was like like did any of us ever think that like oh man they should be playing sam mccall right now like he didn't he didn't show it in practice to where it was like man like he, he deserves to be on the field right now zach there was a and i won't call them out there was a beat another beat reporter when that happened that had said something amongst the lines of like you think they would have given him a chance uh and and i was like they i thought he was being sarcastic so like they have given him a chance and he was being dead yeah. serious. And I was like, I just, there was nothing that was being that we were seeing in practice consistently within the context of the full defense. I was like, yes, you're, you, you have to you can compare him straight to AZ. They came in the same class, like yeah. AZ well, is consistently playing for you. What I was going to add before my slow ass reflexes didn't allow me to get in there was that, uh, I feel like Adam Fuller has been kind of very direct about the messaging. He's talked a lot about last year with Shaheen Brown, Kevin Knowles, Kevin Knowles played a ton last year. Shaheen Brown very rarely played. Shaheen Brown this year took his job, took a job from a multi-year veteran who had started at Arkansas and FSU at parts in his career and took that over. Kevin Knowles obviously still a major contributor this year. His point being with those two examples is that we don't all develop at the same pace. It doesn't all happen for everybody the same way. You know, that's what it is for Sam McCall. But patience is a really tough thing for 18 to 20 year olds who have been highly praised for being outstanding athletes and potentially very, very good football players long term. It's a tough thing to do. And, you know, some opt to decide to play it with patience. Others decide maybe the pastures elsewhere are greener. And that's what Sam's deciding. Good luck to him. I hope it works out for him. It is what it is. I think this day and age of transactional college football being the way it is it doesn't make sense to get super hung up on the staying and going of players as much as we may be used to because FSU can just easily go to the portal and get a guy who they hope will contribute to them in the manner that they hope maybe Sam McCall would have if he had remained for next season. All right. Um, I think that concludes kind of what we're talking about with Sam McCall. Sam McCall. Final thing to, to touch on, let's talk about some departures. Um, on that note of McCall, you know, uh, I'll pose a question for you guys. Over under five and a half transfers out of Florida State this offseason. I think over. Um, I think it's a pretty safe bet. You know, Keyshawn Helton's a guy we've talked about, and we know he, he quit playing to retain eligibility. So that's one right there that wholeheartedly expect. Sam is another one. So that's two. You're already at two. There are plenty of guys we can look at and say, well, they've just not contributed here. Potentially they depart, you know, and I'm not saying any of these are definitely jumping in, but these are examples. Sean Barry Jackson, George Wilson, Rod or Lloyd Willis. Those four immediately come to mind for me. And I'm not diving all that deep into the thought process. I was thinking about guys along the lines, you know, I could see all of them potentially departing. Lloyd Willis, maybe he stays because he has been a guy that's factored into being on the two deep and, played some on special teams, but at the same time, I don't think a window of opportunity is coming for him to take over the tackle position. So, yeah, those are four. That would put me at six. I easily take the over. And plus, just attrition is natural. It's always been natural even before the portal existed. 
it's going to continue to be natural. And with the portal, I think it makes sense for some guys to decide to make the business choice of going somewhere else because it's probably a better opportunity for what they want to do, which is play. Everybody wants to play, but there's only one ball and there's only 22 guys on the field at any given time. I Unless will... you're Willie Taggart's team, then sometimes there's 13 or 14 guys at any given time. Sorry, had to. Just slid that one in. Wow. The man can't get fired on a Monday. I digress. Um, what, what was 5.5? Was the over? Under? Yes, 5.5. I think I would remember that given that was the one who came up with the question. I'll go with over. I think that'll be pretty easy. If we're counting Keyshawn Helton, I think, I mean, if he didn't transfer, he'd be have exhausted his eligibility. Not saying that he's tra- he hasn't transferred yet. I'm not saying he's going to transfer. You just probably, said he's going to transfer. He'll probably transfer. Uh, Sam McCall. So that's two right there. Yeah, George Wilson. I'm just wrote down the list of names. It just makes sense. George Wilson, Shamber Jackson, Chris mentioned Lloyd Willis, Zane Herring, Rod Orr. Those are all guys that have been jumped, are getting jumped. Um, yeah. Demore I Kate. think there's like yeah, there's the DB room maybe. Um, I think there's some guys that that could go portaling. We'll see. Um, and there's a few other positions I'm sure that guys stacked up on the on the bottom half of the depth chart that might look elsewhere to, to, to get some playing time in. Chris, at what point should I start doing my scholarship tracker story? feels way too like difficult to try to put it out right now. I mean, I think definitely after the fifth, because you got to see who's going to hit that portal on the initial uh, dump out that comes that day. But we need a, We need a name for that day. Portaling day. That's boring. Winter Armageddon. Winter is coming. Sure. Chris, you stick the landing this time. I can't. I'm, I'm stuck. I'm sitting here trying to think of what the NFL calls like the first day of free agency, if there's a nickname to that, but I can't remember. Other than free agency opens up today, it's going to be pandemonium. Um, What's like Silent Nikes around Christmas time? What if we go like, I don't know, the long night? Game of Thrones reference. I love that episode. Zach would be Littlefinger if he was a character from Game of Thrones. Why? Because I'm an instigator. Mm-hmm. You'd be um, <laughs> you'd be Bran. No, Dane's Bran because he just goes places. I'm going to go now. Yeah, but you have like the physical characteristics of Bran. Because I can't walk well. Yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick the way. I'm getting out of here. This is ridiculous. Hold on. <laughs> Close the door. Close the door. <laughs> for Christy, Zach Blossom, I hate you guys so much. I'm Brendan Sedo. This has been On the Bench. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time.